The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. You want the good news, you want the bad news. I don't like either one of those options. Your words are super wise, man. You are a prophet. You deserve a prophet. You do whatever you want. Who am I to tell you what to do? But you're a psychologist. Well, I know less than you do. You're making me a better parent and a better wife, and thank God you're on the radio. What planet are you on? I don't buy any of that stuff. You know, I was looking for a deeper answer. What are you talking about? You make my afternoon really fun. Enjoy you. You're about the most exciting thing I have right now. <laughs> now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. I hate when my kid calls like that during the show. We are on the Good News Cruise. Getting close to the last day, right? This is, this is it. Well, I got my goal. I reached my goal. By the way, I want to apologize to you folks. Uh, those of you at home, let me give out the number quickly, 877-573-7825, 877-57-EQUAL. If you have a question about a person, a place, a thing, rock, paper, scissors, uh, anybody giving you trouble in your life, anybody you're giving trouble. Did you ever notice that we think more people give us trouble than we give them trouble? It's an interesting thing about fallen human nature. We're taking questions also from our audience here. Uh, the first day of the program we had a rowdy full house second day we had a little less rowdy full house and now we have six people sitting in here (laughs) i don't know if it's something i said or what anyway we're doing two things we're gonna take questions from the group here on the good news cruise adventures of the sea Seas or seas, Steve? Adventure, Adventure of the seas. Of the seas. So seas. They, they go different places. Do they go to more than one sea? I bought one of those budget cruises, you know? Mm-hmm. Adventure of the pond. Oh, it was real cheap. We didn't really go very far, but it was real cheap. Out water of, was nice and brown? Out of Omaha. It was out of Omaha, yeah. Was the water brown? Yes. Steve Clark is the engineer that makes this all run. There's no way these shows would have happened at all. They're, they're looking at you like they're mad at you. <laughs> I'm taking away your airtime, just, you know. No, you're not. I'll tell you what. I just have a question. Steve, you're an engineer, right? Yes. Okay, one question. Yeah. When I was in engineering my first year, do those trains really go as fast up close? Yes. Okay, that's just the only one engineering question I had. 877-573-7825 is the number. We're going to take calls, too. So if you have something in your life that is bothering you, or should be bothering you and is not, or someone in your life, don't give their name. And also, if you'd like to give a suggestion, a helpful comment for someone who's called previously, or even on these questions, because what I do is I take them, I gather them up, I put them in books, and I make a lot of money. And I just want to say thank you. In one of these books, I'm going to give you people credit all right, we had a whole bunch of stuff to come in that I wanted to address. Let me start out with my manalog here. Now, I'm looking out over this group. I figure most of you are grandparents. I get a question often. How do you make a kid more grateful? How do you make them less entitled? Well, first step is very simple. Give them less. I used to tell parents... 
You want to raise a more grateful kid, your first step is get rid of about 50% of what they have. Now, I don't see that anymore. That's ridiculous. 75. (laughs) I'm looking at you, and I would like to take a poll on how many of your grandkids have more than 10 stuffed animals. Right, yeah, I know, every hand's gone up, and I can probably say 20. Now, let's say you got rid of 75% of those stuffed animals. They still got five. How many of you had five stuffed animals, huh? Right, how many of you had 20 stuffed animals? Nobody, not a single person in here had 20 stuffed animals. Now, part of the problem here, it's hard to raise a grateful child because they simply get too much because they breathe. You get your hair cut, you get a rubber spider. You know your catechism verses, five bags of candy, six sticker books. Grandma drives the Toys R Us truck up every couple weeks, drops a load off. Mom, mom, please, no more stuffed animals. He's got 24 stuffed animals. I know, honey, but he doesn't have a zebra stuffed animal. Mom, mom, he's got nine equine stuffed animals. Yes, I noticed that. But what about the car? Mom, there's four stuffed animals in the car. Yeah, but those are in the back seat. He doesn't have any for the front seat. One of the things we used to do that got us glares, and a couple people said, well, we might want to call children's services on you. We would go and order the kids' meals, and you didn't get the toy. We would look at this big, long list of food, something only kings and wealthy could do for all of human history, and we thought, hey, it's enough. You're getting to order from a big, long list of food here. You don't need a toy every time you get one. So we'd say to the clerk, well, well, the kids' meals, please. You, You keep the toys. Now, initially... The clerk looked at us with pity. Uh, sir, sir, on our planet, when you order the kid meal, you get the toy. You didn't pay for that, sir. I said, that, that's okay. Uh, we, we think it's privileged enough we're taking them out to eat. I don't think they need a toy every time we take them out to eat. Then the look changes. The look changes. It's not one of pity now. It's one of, man, you're bizarre. <laughs> Besides, on a purely practical level, you know what happens to these things. You take them home, you step on them, you put them in the trash, you cover them with coffee grounds so they can't smell they're in there, and the next morning you hear, hey, how'd that get in there? Only got 55 of those. That was my favoriteest one, too. You ask the clerk this question, whether you're a grandpa. You grandparents do this. You know that. It's, it's a given they're going to get the toy when you take them somewhere. Ask the clerk, you ever had anybody do this before? I guarantee you, you're not going to hear one other person, except they might say, yeah, there was this Italian-looking dude with a mustache that came in probably about 35 years ago that used to do this. My dad used to tell me about him. What a weirdo. So, <laughs> 8 seven, we've got some calls coming in. Steve, all right, we'll take care of those folks in a second. I want to just do this before I take my first break. By the way, I had a gentleman say, and he was quite well-intentioned, he said, why do you have all that bumper music? If you got rid of the bumper music, you could take another call. And I said, you don't understand. For every 30 seconds that I let that bumper music run, 
about every four months, I got a free show. Pretty much, right, Mike Jones? That's right. I got a free show out of this thing. Is it six weeks? Oh, I'm bouncing all over the place here, Steve, when I hear that. How to handle your spouse's feelings. Well, I can give you a what not to do. One of the worst things to say to a wife when she's upset, it'll guarantee she's going to really get upset. Just simply say, calm down. That'll do it. That'll do it. It depends what kind of feelings here, you know. Uh, when you say how to handle your spouse's feelings, oh man, you're on you're on treacherous ground if you're trying to stop that feeling, especially when it's on full bore roar. You might have to just sit and kind of let it burn itself out a little bit. I'm assuming it's a bad feeling. Okay, nobody ever sums and says to me, um, "Can you?" Can you help me deal with my spouse's feelings when she tells me how much she loves me and how warm she is toward me? Oh, yeah, we got to handle that one. No, the implication is these are bad feelings. And by the way, don't let the experts mess you up. And this is even true in Catholic circles. I, I cringe when I hear this. <clears throat> feelings are neither good nor bad. Feelings just are. Oh, I could picture me going to my wife and saying, Honey, I just got to tell you, I got these feelings of lust for all these women I see, but those are just feelings. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to act on them. Those are just feelings. And then she says to me, Ray, I sometimes think you're just an idiot jerk, but those are just feelings. I'm really not going to act upon those. No, no, feelings can be pretty nasty. And the other thing about feelings, you tend to act on them. So even if they're not good or bad, they tend to lead to behavior that could be real bad. You know, I'm really frustrated with my wife. Just so frustrated. But that's a feeling, right? That's, a, that's neither good nor bad. I'm just frustrated. Yeah, but how likely is it that I'm going to unload in my frustration? So I touched on a bunch of topics there. Let me give out the number again. 877-573-7825. By the way, we are on the Adventure of the Seas. Good News Cruise one of the problems we have with this program, and this, this was scheduling scheduling problem, they couldn't find a spot to put this program because it fell between the post-breakfast buffet and the pre-luncheon buffet. Okay, you don't want to eat on an empty stomach. So what you do is, and we had like six minutes right in there, so we squeezed it in, right, Steve? Yes, we did. All right. Right. Well, you know where you squeezed <laughs> yeah, and I feel like the Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. This is Dr. Ray. Do you own popular index mutual funds or ETFs? If so, you're automatically own shares of companies that conflict with your moral beliefs. Ave Maria mutual funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. The experienced professional portfolio managers make decisions based on investment fundamentals and pro-life values. You can learn more about Ave Maria Mutual Funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Right now, as you know, America, Catholic Church, really the Western world is being shaken. But let me read this passage. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 25, we'll go to 29. The writer to the Hebrews says... His voice shook the earth at that time, but now he has promised, I will once more shake not only the earth, but heaven. And that phrase, once more, 
points to the removal of shaken created things so that what is unshaken may remain. We realize that nothing is fixed. Everything seems to be in flux. And that's the, why God's people need to be immersed in Scripture, because there we come across the unchangeable and the unshakable God. Cresta in the Afternoon with Al Cresta for Eastern on EWTN Radio. The following program is brought to you in part by MyCatholicWill.com. Surveys show that more than half of Americans do not have a will. At MyCatholicWill.com, it takes as little as 15 minutes to write your will and secure a legacy of faith. MyCatholicWill.com is the exclusive online destination for creating a Catholic will. The process of writing a will is simple and now more accessible than ever. MyCatholicWill.com, a legacy of faith for those you love. Nemic sorta clap. Yow. Ho, ho. Should we take a call, Steve, before we grab one of these? Uh, let's see where we're going. All righty. Let's go to Andrea from uh, Kansas City, Mo. I always like doing that. Mo, Kansas City, Mo. I'm just a cool city. Hi, Andrea. How are you, dear? Hi, Dr. I'm doing well. Thank God. You are talking to all these people from the Good News Cruise. You know, that's a watch what you're saying. <laughs> Go, Chiefs. <laughs> What's up? Um, well, my, my three-year-old, he, he's the youngest of five. And I just uh, I'm would like to know what suggestions you have. If there's something I can read, what are the things I can do that I can change with uh, teaching him? Because his behavior becomes explosive. Uh, the dynamics in our family situation this time around is is different, and so I don't know if that's part of why he's different than uh my other children at this stage he still he is talking a little more now he still doesn't talk very much um and uh when he has something if he's playing with something if uh he drops a car or something doesn't go the way he wants he just he yells he starts hitting things um or he'll even hit me and and when i try to discipline him uh it it just seems to be one in one ear and out the other uh or at times i'll i'll try talking to him and sometimes he'll give me his attention but it's not often other times it's as if i'm not talking at all and he's not even looking at me so i i don't know if this is just uh i i don't know i don't know what's going on it's safe to say that this child is radically different from your other four? Yes. yes. Okay. Well, if you have enough kids, you're going to have one like that. You know that, don't you? The odds were yeah. against you. Yeah. Um, several yeah. things, honey. We can't, I can't diagnose from here whether there is an autistic spectrum problem. 
Language is one of the biggest predictors of developmental delays. So it sounds like you're saying his expressive language is delayed. He doesn't talk that much. Is he putting together six, seven, eight-word sentences? No. Right now, the most I've heard him say are four-word sentences. Okay. Mommy, want that now? Something like that? Mm-hmm. Well, yes. you, could go, you could do an evaluation, but at this point, the younger the kid the less reliable evaluations are. So that's the first thing. Second thing, let's say that somebody says, well, your little guy has some of the symptoms of someone that falls on the autistic spectrum. Okay. He's still your little guy. Whatever you call it, that's who he is. So the third thing I would say is you're going to have to deal with his conduct, and his conduct is more intense than the other kids. What tends to happen, Andrea, in situations like this is that when you've got a tougher kid, the parents develop bad, bad habits. They talk too much. They don't follow through. They get frustrated. They become inconsistent. They feel terrible and guilty because they don't like this kid. And they go to confession and they say, bless me, Father. Um, okay, how serious a sin is it to want to shoot your kid with a bazooka? Would that be serious? So that's what happens. Uh, but the reason we took you is not because we care so much about you. Yes, we do. I'm teasing you. But we have a rule in this program that uh, any caller who begins their call with something like, <clears throat> can you recommend a book? Well, I'm glad you called. Uh, actually, though, I do have a book I think that can help you. It's called Discipline That Lasts a Lifetime. 100 of the most common discipline questions I get at ages 2 to 18. Hopefully, it'll help you handle this little guy. I would just give you this quick suggestion, simple little piece of discipline, very powerful. Use the corner. He's three years old. Use the corner. It's easy. You've got a lot of corners there. Well, you do have five kids, right? Okay, so you're going to yeah. have to go probably to another room because most corners are four to a room, so you might have to go to another room. Uh, we had a problem with that. We had, uh, we had 10 kids under 12, and we ran out of corner space. So we had to develop a halfway couch program, you know, where you put the kids on the couch for halfway, and then they get out of that, they, they go to the corner. Use the corner for infractions, for defiance, uh, and, and definitely for the hitting stuff. And then, when he refuses to go, because you didn't say he'd refuse to go, but I'm sure he would refuse to go, given what you've described. After that, whatever he asks for, in the way of perks or privileges, you simply say, oh no, I would want to, I want to do that for you, but you haven't gone to the corner yet. You have to go to the corner first. Do that. And then he'll melt down again, of course. And at that point, so what? Because he still hasn't served his quarter time. Once he finds out that when you say go to the corner because of he's being defiant, rumbustious that by the way that the word is not rambunctious there is a synonym rumbustious I just learned that the other day because you're a psychologist you have to know all those thesaurus words for bad behavior he'll find out mom means what she says now this you said our family dynamics have changed could that be it not likely he's only three years old for the most part his world is just him it's likely he's just wired different than your other four. That's the biggest factor. So there you are, my dear.
the book, Discipline That Lasts a Lifetime, should help you. It's got a lot of stuff in it, a lot more than I could give you now. Thanks, Andrea. Thank you for the call, dear. Alrighty. What else we got here? Might have got Steve. Oh, I've got time real quick. Do you subscribe for Catholics to get to confession more often than prescribing medication? Well, now that depends upon what the situation is. There are certain certain types of mental disorders that respond extremely well to medication, and the church has no objection to that. Church basically says you can take something that is designed to bring you back to the way God intended you to be. So if you are crazy, or if you are seriously depressed, and there's likely a biochemical reason for that, medications can almost work miracles in many cases. Uh, It says here, God's forgiveness should and can help mental breakdowns and mental illness. Uh, It depends. It depends what kind. People say, well, if I had more faith, would I be less depressed? Depends how your depression is manifesting itself. All right, if you're a self-centered individual who feels that the world owes me something and things just aren't going right and the glass is always half full, then yeah, probably if you embraced your faith a little bit more, you'd have more gratitude and you'd be less depressed. But there are mental conditions that I don't care how much you pray, the body is not right, and the body's going to need something to help straighten it out. So I think a lot of people feel guilty when they're depressed. Now that said, most depressions are life depressions. Uh, The way I look at things, circumstances, uh, maybe I'm a little more emotionally reactive than other people. So those kinds of things, the research says, more faith-filled people are less likely to be as anxious or as depressed. There's all kinds of research that says this. So there's an inverse relationship between depression and religion. And those are secular studies. All right, I want to take, okay, two minutes. Uh, let see what we got here. That one's the tricky one. I won't got that in two minutes. We had this question yesterday, and I totally misunderstood it, and I really only do that about 80% of the time. <laughs> the question was, what do you do when you got more than one generation living in the house? I assumed that was the grandparents letting the parents and their children live in the house. It was the other way. The question was, my 92-year-old mom is living in the house. Abdul, you know what you just did? You ruined our whole broadcast. Now we've got to start over. Okay, Steve, uh, re- rewind it back I will to do where that. we were. Yeah. Okay. In three, two. <laughs> the poor guy, he dropped something back there, and he's like, oh, no, oh, no. No, our sniper's not here today, so you're, you're safe, man. You're safe. Oh, I, I, I sucked up all that time, didn't I? All right, if you do have... We, got, we still got some questions here. So if you do have them, we will give some, some priority, if we can, to the, to the group here for the questions. These are from previous broadcasts, and <laughs> those people are not here anymore because they just decided that they were going to go ashore. Fine, fine. Let your life fall apart for one day on a shore. What's my concern here, right, Steve? It is a perfect day, though, at Coco Cay. It's a perfect day with Dr. Ray. Ooh, I like that one. Yeah, what the heck? 
877-573-7825 is the number to call to get on the program. 877-57-EQUAL. When I was in grad school, they said the, the optimum number of digits that somebody can remember is seven. You remember your phone? You remember your original phone numbers? You didn't worry about the area code. It's 456 That was my home phone. Well, now you got area codes. So what that does, it's a good thing we have our phones with people's names in it because we're not good at remembering 10. Much harder to remember 10 than 7. See the little tidbits I give you on this show, Steve? I think they're invaluable. In- invaluable. Dr. Invaluable, Dr. Ray. And that's why it's sitting here next to you. You know year. what, buddy? I have 101 tidbits. Do you? Yeah. This is Dr. Ray. Thanks for joining me. Connection with Teresa Tomio. There was a big story about this Catholic college saying, oh, we are going to open our doors to anyone who identifies as a woman. So a male student coming in, but if he calls himself a woman, that's fine. This is all about diversity and equality. This is a Catholic women's college. And so, thanks be to God, there was a lot of pushback. And guess what? The school rescinded. How important it is not to give up and to remember that we can and should respectfully, always with love, express our concerns. It doesn't matter. The victory is up to God. But sometimes we do see that success in the victories, as is the case with St. Mary's College, who says now it needs to go back to its roots and get a deeper understanding of what it means to be a Catholic college for women. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. How does the Catholic Church regard the economy and social justice? The Catholic Catechism states the development of economic activity and growth in production are meant to provide for the needs of human beings. Economic life, first of all, is ordered to the service of persons, the whole man and the entire human community. Human work comes from persons who have been created in the image and likeness of their creator God, who commissions them to prolong the work of creation by subduing the earth both with and for one another. Work is a duty, says the Catechism. St. Paul writes, If anyone will not work, let him not eat. Work honors the gifts and talents God has bestowed on his creatures. Work can be redemptive, when its hardships are placed in union with Jesus. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Too late. Oh, thank you here. We are on the Adventures of Seas. Good news cruise. Last day, and my goal of going from 175 pounds to 240, very close. One more trip to the buffet, I'm there. You know what I was thinking, Steve? Uh, we have got a, a lot of very sweet, embrace the faith, feel better about what you're doing, seek in Christ. And a lot of people up there in the buffet, we all pray our prayer, right? Before mm-hmm. we, Is there something incongruous about saying blessings before gluttony? <laughs> I just, I don't know if those two go together or what it is. All right, so I want to do this multi-generational question. The biggest problem 
when you have an elderly relative in your home, roughly 50% of people over age 85 have some form of either mild cognitive impairment or beginning dementia. In the beginning, it is really hard to sort out. You don't know how much of, well, mom's always been that way. She's just getting more that way as she gets older. In the beginning, it is hard to recognize what you're dealing with. Here's what I tell folks. Err on the side of safety. In other words, if you're witnessing personality changes in that individual, I remember the first time my Italian grandmother, she wouldn't say poop if she had to. I came in there and she told the dirtiest joke and she just broke up. And I'm thinking, oh, oh, this is not a good sign. And of course, that was the beginning, one of the signs of the beginning of her dementia. She's losing her governor here. So if you can, be patient. Don't say things like, Mom, you already told me that. You asked me that, Mom. This is the fourth time you've asked me that. Mom, I told you we're not gone until 8 o'clock. Dad, relax. Why are you getting so anxious about that, Dad? Come on, relax. We do this because we want to make them back like they were, and it's very hard to accept that this is something that we're going to live with until it gets to the point where we can't care for them anymore. And that's a reality. Sometimes that takes years. And you just watch these personality changes and you watch the memory stuff. Oh, she asked me the same question over and over and over again. What are we having for supper? And I told her, I've told her nine times what we're having for supper. It's driving me crazy. So just tell her six and say, Mom, you'll know when we get there. My aunt was 90-some years old. We'd drive to breakfast to meet my mom and dad and some of the other folks from church. And she'd say, so who's all going to be there? And I say, oh, Aunt Esther, it's going to be Mom and my dad and, uh, and, and Aunt Martha, Uncle Henry will be there. Oh, that's really nice. So who's all going to be there? All the way to breakfast. 12 miles of who's going to be there. And I just answered her question. Kept me from having to make conversation. All right. We want to go with, we want to go with Diane? Hi, Diane. Hi, Dr. Ray. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for the call. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we got a little bit of a delay because we're out to sea, so there's about a half-second delay between what I say and what you hear and what you say and what I hear, so don't let that bug you. I'm just a husband, and I usually okay. take about eight seconds to respond. <laughs> okay. Um. All right, so mine is about elderly parents and children, you know, trying to help them out. And I have a sister who is uh, very, very controlling. And she's, I was out of state and I moved back three years ago, so she's used to doing everything for them. But she is very, like, say, charismatic with the family. She has the biggest parties, buys the most expensive gifts and is very controlling over every situation. And I'm, you know, trying to help my parents out, but I feel like no matter what I do, it's never enough, it's too much, it's not done the way she likes it. And it's gotten to be so bad we don't even speak anymore. And, um, but yet I'm being talked about to other family members. 
And every little thing she has to control so much that um, it's such anxiety because my parents are getting older and my mom is starting to get dementia. And she says she's going to take them in when they no longer can stay in their house, which would mean it'd be hard to see them. So it's just um, we don't talk anymore, but I know I'm being talked about. You know, I get the cold shoulder from family members, and she has mentioned to my parents, I'm no longer in her good graces. And it's just so much to deal with that I really, I don't know, I've just, I'm, you know, staying away from her, doing what I can for my parents. You know, and um, I guess I don't know if you had any words of wisdom how to deal with this situation. I almost feel like she's a little bit of a narcissist. Um, I thought that for several years, and I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to do anymore, I guess. I don't have any words of wisdom. I have some words of reality. Uh, you can't stop some people from being a jerk. If your sister Mm -hmm. is saying, I took care of mom and dad, I'm the good sibling, where were you? Oh, now you come on the scene and you want to intrude with your ideas? Well, is that happening basically unspoken? Yes. 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 Love when I'm right. Okay. So the first thing you got to do is, one, well, who am I to tell you what you got to do? Here's a suggestion. One. If you want to see your mom and dad, go see your mom and dad. Don't let your sister stop you. That's one. Because if she's going to trash you Mm -hmm. to them and to any other family member who will listen, you can't do anything about that. And you can only show them when you're around them that you're a decent human being. That's one. Two. Okay. Talk to your sister again. Don't, Don't do that. You live on a higher standard. If If you're a Christian and you're saying that I need to be a little more tolerant, a little more accepting, and your sister is not so much that way, then she's not going to behave toward you the same way you're going to behave toward her. And you don't have to be ooshy-gushy toward her, but at the same time, you don't, want to, you, just want to, you don't want to write her off. Because you know what you do when you do that? You prove to all your family members that you're the big jerk she says you are. My sister doesn't even talk to okay. me. So you've got to be careful on that uh-huh. one. All right. She owns All your right. she owns your parents. That's her attitude, isn't it? I own yes. mom and dad. Yes. Of course. Yeah. So yes. what you can do, she's gonna relegate you to basically just doing the little things that you can sneak in when she's not looking. That's pretty much what you're probably gonna do. So if she's not living there, try to figure out when she's not gonna be there and go to mom's and dad's, have some coffee with them, maybe take them out to breakfast, do something like that, and Ignore the dynamic of her undercutting you because you're not going to stop that. You are just not going to stop. It's probably going to get worse. And the reason it's going to get worse is because as their mental capacities fade, she's going to see herself as even more important than you. She knows, Mom and Dad, you don't, do you, Diane? That's exactly right. I know. I should be a shrink. But the key for you, dear, is you're going to have to figure out how to essentially reach out to your mom and dad the best you can so your sister can't undercut you when you're trying to do it. God bless you, dear. This is Dr. Ray, 877-573-7825. Got some calls up there, but they they dropped off. Um, Yeah, we'll get to that one if we can. We are on the adventure of the seas. Good news, cruise. I think it's adventure of the eats myself.
Now, Catechism Wisdom with me, Dr. Ray Garendi, and Father Larry Richards. A culture that's materially comfortable gets spoiled. It says, I want my needs met. If I'm married, or even if I'm not, one of my needs, in my mind, might be, I want a child, and I want it now. For Catechism Wisdom, joining me, Father Larry Richards. Yes. Catechism says something here that's going to ruffle I a lot know. of folks. Read me. Let me have it. All right. Section 2378. A child is not something owed to one, mm. but is a gift. Mm. The supreme gift of marriage is a human person. Wait a minute. We got the technology. Like, you know, the old bionic man. We've got the means. We can make it right. Absolutely. I want a kid. You know, my 10 children are all adopted. Mm -hmm. So um, the supreme gift of marriage, biologically, for me, was not a child. Mm -hmm. Okay, am I getting ripped off? Mm. And is that, is that fair? The reality of all things is that we're all called to be life-giving, huh? But often God does not call that, like for me, he doesn't call me to be life-giving by having my own children, you know? God's called me, but he still does it. And the same with a couple who can't have children. They can do everything that the church allows them to do as long as they're doing it to saying, okay, I want God's will in my life. I'm not going to make God do something for me. I'm going to seek God's will. And if I work according to nature and I work according to the teaching of the church, if God decides to give me a child, absolutely God bless. But if he doesn't, that doesn't mean I can't be fruitful. It can be like you have a, a go and adopt 10 children. Think about how many children in the world today have no one to care for them or love them. And so if you really, really, really want to be a mother or father, then do as you did. I had a question from uh, Hannah from Montana, which immediately makes me suspicious. The question is, are you using the gym on the ship? Well, with all this eating that you're doing, can you bench more on the boat than on land? That's not as funny as you think. There is a shibboleth, thank you, thank you, that says, eat long, be strong. Weight is strength. And we oftentimes say that. If we come in and we get more than we normally get, I go, how much you? I picked up 10 pounds last week. And that, it translates into strength. But I don't use the weights here on the ship. Hate to say this. Because they're too light. <laughs> oh, it's true. Don't say anything. All right. There's, I wanted to deal with this because this question was asked on an earlier program, not here. A child dies, uh, particularly a child that is under 18, a small child. But let's, let's broaden that out to a spouse, a spouse dies, or a very, very close loved one, very close. How do you react? Several things I tell folks. One, grief is by far the most powerful emotion. And the first time somebody experiences that level of loss, that kind of grief, it overwhelms them. They've never experienced anything that intense. It rocks them. 
It rocks because you've no experience with that. So that's one of the worst things you could say to somebody. I know how you feel. Oh, you don't. No, you don't. Unless you've experienced the exact same thing, just best not to say that. Secondly, because of the intensity of the grief, there are no rules. You know, you need to be getting out more. You, 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 can't, you can't just stay at home like this all the time. You need to be getting out more. Well, you don't have to worry about getting out more. You can stay at home and just, there's no rules. And I tell folks this, the first year, sometimes you put one foot in front of the other, and that's just the way it is. You walk through it, and you just feel numb. And that's pretty typical. And many people say, am I not getting over this quick enough? You know, am I not pulling it together? What's wrong with me? And nothing wrong with you. It just hits you hard. Three. You want to prolong the grief? Add guilt. Had a mom come to my office once. Her little girl, nine years old, died of leukemia. She would visit this little girl in the hospital every day. This particular day, the little girl said something to the effect, Mommy, would you just stay with me a little more? She said, okay. And she waited till the little girl fell asleep, and then mom went out and ran some errands. You know where this is gone. The girl died while she was gone. And the mother was rocked to deal with that. The last request she made of me, I didn't honor it. That just added to her guilt. Or when a spouse dies. I could have been such a better spouse. There were so many ways I could have been a better spouse. If I had to do over again, I'd change so many things. Why did I wait till they're gone? You add guilt to it, it's going to take a lot longer. Another thing that happens especially in a marriage if a child commits suicide now I've had parents come in with their child has committed suicide or let's just say a death from some other cause people grieve differently and sometimes that creates a lot of friction in the marriage because one spouse after eight months wants to get back to normal wants to start trying to put life together and the other spouse is just not moving so the spouse who is not moving can look at the spouse who's trying to put the life back together and saying didn't you care you know I care look at me it's ruined my life you just seem to want to go back to work and and just act like nothing ever happened which is not true but I've seen that happen or the guilt of Somebody told a joke and I laughed. I just felt so guilty laughing. It's, it's as though like I didn't care enough. You know, why am I, 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 this is the first time I've laughed in seven months and I just, maybe it's too soon to laugh. Don't you think it's too soon to laugh? It's amazing what we can do to ourselves to add to the grief. But the reality is, that is the toughest emotion you're going to get for most things. It's tougher than anger. Anger comes and goes. Grief, C.S. Lewis said this, when his wife of four years died. He was a confirmed bachelor. He married a woman. Four years, she died. He said it was like an aching hunger that you couldn't stop in your body. That's how he described it. Just this inside sort of hollow existence. So, just some thoughts on death and grief. Steve, you took the computer away from me, so let me see who I got. Oh, you won't, I don't have time to take it? 
Yes, okay, I'm going to, Pam, you stay right there. Uh, we're going to let you come right in right away quick and uh, make a suggestion. Although, Pam, I will say this. Do you remember when I asked, does he have expressive language? And she said about four words. And I didn't ask about receptive language. I didn't ask about his comprehension. Um, but she did say something interesting. She said, when I deny him something, he melts down. So unless she denies it without words, he's, he's hearing. But your, your point will be good, and I will allow you to make it. 877-573-7825. We are here. The Good News Cruise, this is four years for me. Uh, how about you folks? One, two, three, four. You got one? Okay, bunch of you guys. It's a lot of fun, a lot of great speakers, good Catholic stuff, and the Windjammer Buffet. Next year, I have a demand. I'm giving my presentation at the Jammer. What do you got here? Let's get that's that. You guys make it easy. I got that. Okay, I'll I'll try. That's very common. That's a common one. That one. That one. That one. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you feel as though life is flying past you? Are you desperate for a way to find moments of peace and quiet? Lord, teach me to pray. The free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to His voice, to the peace you are seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy, knowing Jesus personally. Lord, Teach Me to Pray is free. Go to lordteachmetopray.com, click on the red box, order the Lord Teach Me to Pray series now. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And now, the EWTN Family Prayer with Father Joseph. Family, a prayer that we pray together is a powerful prayer. So please pray together with me, our EWTN Family Prayer. Today we pray for those who are suffering with Parkinson's disease. Lord Jesus Christ, consolation of the afflicted, you are our refuge. We pray for those who are suffering the effects of Parkinson's disease. As they lose their physical strength and abilities, increase their spiritual strength and abilities. Renew their inner spirit day after day, and through their share in your sufferings, give the grace of conversion to sinners, and their weakness Reveal your strength. Give peace and joy to those who care for them. Amen. He was a Jesuit, a cardinal, and a doctor of the church. Matthew Bunsen and the doctors of the church. St. Robert Bellarmine is honored for his immense contributions to theology, including helping to draft two important catechisms that defended church teachings during the Protestant revolt. Pope Clement VIII named Bellarmine a cardinal because, as the Pope put it, Bellamine had not his equal for learning. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. A little surfer music, right, Steve? Just for on the water here. By the way, a little warning. Uh, usually they sound those blasts, you know, seven short blasts and one long blast on the ship if there's an emergency. I have my own, my own signal for an emergency. If I start talking, 
Then I'll know. Things are getting rough. Uh, let's go to Pam real quick, because she's got a great suggestion, and you're right, Pam. I didn't say this, but I'm going to let you do it and sound smarter. Hi, Pam. Hi, how are you doing today? Okay, dear, thanks. Are you there? Are you there? Yes, ma'am. We, we got this one second, the half-second delay, and it's throwing both of us off, so I just kind of stay quiet and give you the chance to hear my lingering voice. Well, okay. Hey, here is my suggestion. Um, I speak from experience as a mom. I'm not any kind of a professional, but I had a daughter who was hearing impaired, and her situation was different. But what I saw among the other toddlers that were in her program is the hardest thing to diagnose was a child who was hard of hearing. If you're totally deaf, it's kind of obvious what you do and don't do. But if you're hard of hearing, Sometime you're getting it, sometime you're not. And a lot of those toddlers just had terrible behavior because they never were up to speed with what was being expected of them. So Pam, that's, just that's something. a good suggestion. Okay, well, that's just there? what I want to add my two cents. Yeah, I'm still here. Well, is it was a good two cents. It's at least a nickel's worth. Absolutely. Thank you, Pam. All righty. Good. Okay, you have a good day. Thank you. You always rule out the physiological stuff in these kinds of cases. You do. But the thing that kind of guided me away from that is mom said several things in her description of the little guy's behavior that it sounded like his response was very selective. Okay, she said that. Now, what do we got here, Steve? I had another one. Let's let's do this. This, this is... You guys know this one. We've talked about it many times. What is an effective way to open a dialogue, hopefully it'll be a dialogue, with an adult child who has drifted from the church? She says, it's just not for me. She is currently a self-professed atheist, was at one time a strong Catholic. She gave you the opening. It's just not for me. And what I would say is, why is that? Tell me why it's not for you. What is it? I want to know. And don't argue with her. Don't immediately dispute the first thing she says. She says, well, they're all hypocrites. Well, honey, you know, it, we're all hypocrites. Don't, don't. You mean you jump in, you shut down. I want to know. What happened when you went from being a Catholic who loved the faith to now thinking God doesn't exist? Explain it to me. I want you to, I want you to explain it to me. Uh, you're going to have to work hard to discipline yourself not to try to dispute her right away quick. So say, for example, she says something like, uh, we don't have any proof that there is a God. What kind of proof would you want? Well, I think if, uh, if there's a God, he would want to show people he exists. He wouldn't make it so hard to believe. Okay, that's, f that's fair enough. So why do you think it's so hard to believe? What is it that you would like to see for evidence? Well, I'd, I'd like to see something scientific. So if there were scientific evidence, you would be willing to look at it? In other words, you tell me, and I'm going to take what you tell me, and I'm going to run with it out and see exactly what you're willing to admit to or be open to. 
If at some point in the conversation she says, Mom, I just don't believe. I know that's what you believe, and that's good for you, but it's not for me. And I have my own morals, and I think my morals are good enough. I don't need a church to tell me what morals should be. And then I might say something like this. Very good. You do have your own morals. And, and do you think that's good that everyone has their own morals? Yes. I think morals are a very personal thing. Fair enough. Fair enough. So what about someone who believes that it's okay to, to bomb innocents and they would go to heaven because of that? Is that? That's a personal moral. Is that okay? Well, no, it's not. Well, now wait. Now you said everybody should get their own personal morals. So tell me how that's okay. That's all. Just let her explain herself. Being an annoyingly optimistic, positive mom, <laughs> how do I deal with a child who tends to be overwhelmingly negative? Well, a lot of it depends upon the age of the child, but let's just assume it's a kid smack in the middle of childhood. When the biggest, for kids, one of the biggest reasons they get negative is, ouch, the gap between what they want and what is. So if you have a kid that wants this, this is how I think I should have, this is the amount of time I should have on the computer, this is when I should have a smartphone, this is the kind of freedom I should have, these are the people I'm supposed to hang around with, and here's the reality. Now, you people can't see this on the radio, but there's a big gap between my right hand and my left hand, which is about two feet below it. The bigger that gap, the easier it is to be negative. I'm not getting what I want. So the question becomes, reassess what this child has and why they're frustrated that they don't get it. Now, sometimes when parents say overwhelmingly negative, what they mean is he doesn't take discipline. Well, most kids won't take discipline unless you enforce it. I don't know of too many children who say, thank you, Father. Thank you. I needed to be sent to my room early. I, I realize I can't develop that kind of self-control on my own, so I'm appreciative that I have you as an adult to guide my life. Thank you. No, the more common overwhelmingly negative is get out of my face. I don't want your discipline. You got a kid like that, you're going to have to discipline anyway. I always tell parents, if your little one doesn't tell you they don't like that they don't like you at least a few times, you might want to check your parenting because if, if they never say I don't like you, that means you are totally parenting the way they think you should and that's not necessarily good. Thank you so much for joining me here on The Doctor Is In. My boss is right over there and uh, <laughs> Michael, I don't know if my attorney has sent you that letter but uh, we're renegotiating. I want to charge you by the word. Yeah, by the word. Buck a word, buddy. That's it. Well, they, they, you'll, you'll get no adjectives, you'll get no adverbs, and nothing big. And the other thing that's going to happen is that um, I will talk as fast as I can. Thanks for joining me here on the Good News Cruise. Give yourself an applause. You kept me company. Thanks an awful lot. Walk with God. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook and Instagram. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.